0: So, and welcome to episode two of the Saladcast this season. Myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined by Ollie Warner as we try and put our predictions for the season coming up. Ollie, and uh, based on what we've seen in pre-season, which hasn't been a great deal, and then the squad we've got, and what we think's going on around the league. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of people joining us, haven't we, Ollie? Yep.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we wanted to get the gang back together. A couple of people couldn't join us, as a shame. So, uh, Mike Price is joining us. Evening, Mike. Evening, guys. You're right. Yep. I'm um, very good, thank you. And we've got Chris Hudson on who you know we've we, the podcast is probably a minute in now and we've got to give chris um you know a lot of respect for his prediction last year so what was your what was your prediction last year chris
2: cheers Alian. thanks for having me back yeah that was dark horse last year i picked blackpool as the dark horse and obviously they had a dreadful start and went on to win the playoffs so in the end i ended up looking good with that one
1: yeah it was a really really good call um and yeah this season is going to be i think it's fair to say very very difficult um to predict um who is going to go down is going to be really tough who's going to be who's going get in the playoffs is really difficult who's going to win maybe the league there seems to be one um, overriding favorite and um, when you when you, can, when you take a look at what the experts are saying but yeah this is going to be fun so yeah obviously you know we are recording this on the 1st of august um the transfer window hasn't closed yet um but it's obviously that time of the season season starts next on Saturday um so not long to go now so yeah obviously now is the perfect time to do the the pre-season predictions Um, and we're going to start with where do we think that Salop are going to finish um so Dan couldn't join us but he did share his prediction and we'll go with his first he said he thinks we're going to finish 14th um but Mike what do you think where do you think Shrewsbury are going to finish uh quite tempted to
0: say 17th because that we seem constantly anchored (laughs) to there as a football club um so I'm going to go for 16th, my annual prediction of one better than last year. Um, I just think I haven't seen enough and we'll go around it. There's not been enough turnover of staff. I don't think we've got quite a small squad um, unless something dramatic happens. I can't see us improving hugely against last year unless there's some sort of uh, the Steve Cottrell factor takes over. But that's a bit of, a, of an outlier of an idea. So, yeah, I'm going to say 15th this year. Six, no, 16th, I said, didn't I? Yeah. An there. It's, it's funny, we've been having this discussion all summer, haven't we, Ollie, on and off, especially over the last two or three weeks when we've been talking about the po- about the podcast, recording it, we kind of have a conversation every now and again and saying it's incredibly difficult to really even make a prediction one week out about what's going on, isn't it? And um, yeah, without kind of having that full final squad put together um and, and having an idea of quite where we're going, it's incredibly difficult to make predictions this summer, I think, so we're, we're kind of having a shot in the dark, but I, I kind of agree with Mike, I can see us improving under Steve Cottrell, we saw Um, with the work they did with us last year while he was here in that month was fantastic and clearly we're going to see some more of that hopefully this season so an improvement but again I'm not going to put it put it in the uh, upper echelon yet I'm looking maybe an improvement into mid-table at a best 10th but probably ended up somewhere 12th 13th Ollie that's my first stab as it stands now but with the caveat that that could change
1: as the next few weeks go on and we maybe bring some more quality in. So which number are you going to go for? We're running down,
2: are we? Twelve, Yeah, Twelve. Okay, interested. Uh, What about you, Chris? Like Glenn says, it's so hard. If if you talk based on what we've got right now, I'm probably more pessimistic than all of you. Based on the squad I look at right now, (laughs) I put us in a relegation battle because we just don't have enough. We have good players in certain areas on the pitch, but not enough of them. So I think a lot rests on what we sign in the next week and the next month. And by even if and if we wait till the end of August to get them to get the squad we need, as it were and we've had a tough start, then quite often that, you know, that reverse momentum, if you like, becomes a problem. And even with the good players, we're struggling from the off, as it were. So I do worry about the size of our squad. I looked at the squad yesterday when we went to Exeter, and we had five substitutes, which included two goalkeepers and Raquel Pike, who I think we all agree isn't going to see much football this season. So I think that tells us the lack of strength right now in our squad. So, yeah, with what we've got right now, I'd say 19th, 20th, I feel that pessimistic, but... At the same time, I do back our manager to bring in two or three players. So, so even though 19,
1: obviously we're going to sign at least, you know, we're going to sign at least three or four players, Chris. So, yeah, yeah, are you going yeah. for 19th then?
2: No. So, we're going to sign three or four players, but will there be quality that we need? I don't know. I mm. really hope so. And if they are, then stick me down to the 16th. Stick me down for 16th. I'll go with that. But I don't see us challenging at the top That's end. I see a lot of our fans being optimistic, but. Chris, that's not a relegation
0: battle. You you rode
2: back on that really quickly, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm backing our manager. I'm backing our manager to bring in Good what map. we need. Right. Well, I'm sure we're going to come on to what we need to join this pod. But for mm. me, we still need start, players to start in two or three key areas on the pitch.
1: Yeah, no, we certainly yeah. do. Um, and, and with that in mind, you know, I've given um, Keith Burt and and the manager the kind of the benefit of the doubt. In terms of recruitment, there's still a month to go, um, a lot to be done, um, a lot of time, um, and we've seen, you know, seen quite a few interesting reports. You know, even clubs that are, you know, have bigger, more money to spend than us, Oxford and Charlton are saying it's a very uh, weird transfer market. Um, you've seen obviously a lot of agents' games going on, and there's still four weeks to go. So for me, on that kind of basis, I, I'm actually funny. Actually, me and have put the same number. Um, i went for 12, um, and I think that we will. Cottrell mentioned that he's a building something. Um, it's a very tough division this year. Uh, maybe it might even be easier next year. Who knows? But I think we're building something. I think we'll probably also sign really well in January as well. So I think might be we'll sign a couple of decent players then and push on even further. Um, so for me, I'm going for 12th, um, which is quite interesting. Um, Glyn, you did do a tweet out um, before the yeah. podcast started, and you got a lot of, lot of traction, a lot of replies. And what kind of responses were you getting?
0: Yeah, I mean, very much like the discussion we just had then, kind of very mixed, but with a kind of focus on the mid-table area. So, yeah, just as a a taster, really, Murray James went for 14th, Jason Flegel 13th, Um, James Mendelssohn, I think, went for 12th place, Um, Sram the Shrew 8th, which is probably one of the higher ones I've seen, Andy Lewis, who sits quite low-class, went for 2nd, obviously incredibly positive about everything that's gone on, Um, Kaiser Soze, I'm not sure if that's the guy from the film, but he went for 18th, Paul Hewitt, 15th so yeah I mean in just scrolling through it all now majority of them are reasonably lower middle table but you know there's the occasional one like Ali Harvey here that's got second place so I think there's you always get that preseason optimism don't you from some fans and you think this is going to be the one we're going to get another Paul Hurst season but I'd say the mean just looking at the response of maybe 30 40 people was um, mid-table to sort of just below the, the halfway line really so not far from where we pitched it really are I think that's probably a, a prevailing view maybe.
1: Yeah, I saw quite a few. There's a few people on Instagram as well. Martin said 14th. Cal said 10th. Um, um, um Someone um, yeah, someone called Carter, Andrew Carter went for 10th as well. So yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism. Um, and I think that's that comes down to the manager and the work that he did. Um, at the back of my mind, I'm always reminding myself, that, you know, we what he did last season. He finished 13th in the games that he managed. And that was with a um, a terrible, terrible foundation and a really poor squad. Um, so, yeah, hopeful. Um, Steve Cotra can be the the X factor that we have. He'll he'll get more um, from the team than the sum of its parts. If that makes sense. Yeah, so interesting. Lots of different views, Ollie. I, I guess the, the difficult thing for us when you're predicting something like
0: this is we can have a judgment on what we're missing and we'll talk about that now and where we're going and what Steve Coxall can offer. But it's really difficult for us to have that massive insight into how every other club's building. You know, we can see some clubs that are doing well and some that are not in maybe this transfer window, and we'll talk about it later. But obviously, you know, anything could happen in League One, couldn't it, this season? And you keep you've kept saying on Twitter, Ollie, for the last few months it's going to be a mad league this
1: year. And I think that's probably a fair summary. Yeah, it is going to be very difficult. Top end is going to be crazy. And I think that the interesting pit for me is that, you know, obviously, as a Shrewsbury fan, you really do focus on Shrewsbury R results. But I really do think it's going to be one of those seasons that you're going to want, want to watch the highlight show um, on Quest. I think you'll want to watch the results across the league because I think every week there's going to be, I don't know, Burton beating Ipswich or, you know, Fleetwood getting a result against someone, Stanley beating someone. I think every week it's going to be crazy. And that kind of, yeah. You know, I saw someone who does a, someone who does a, a kind of overall League One um, pod and they did a, a kind of survey and over half the division thinks they're going to get in the playoffs <laughs> from what they saw. And so it's going to be <laughs> one of those crazy seasons. You've got obviously teams like Sheffield Wednesday coming down who seem to have actually recruited really, really well, but off the field, they're absolutely crazy, a crazy club. You know, Things don't go well there. Um, obviously, Pompey only had one player so we will consider our bench. They had one, one signed player on the bench for their pre-season friendly on Saturday. Uh, Sunderland haven't signed very many players. Oxford haven't signed very many players. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy division. And and anyone, out, I think, out of like the top two, down to probably even down to the relegation zone, it's going to be a huge mix. And every season we will see one team absolutely dive bomb. Didn't really happen last season. Um, but I think it will definitely will happen this season. What do you reckon, glenn
0: I was, I was going to make one other point, really, and we, we got Chris on to talk about this. I think, you know, when we had that roundtable discussion about the lockdown and what was going to happen with football, but, you know, Chris working in the medical profession, I suppose, you know, we've got to think that this season might still be affected by COVID a little bit, which is going to maybe knock a few teams out or, you know, games missing there. I mean, you kind of, factoring that into your considerations of where we might be going this season
2: Chris or you've been
0: more Well, confident? there's been
2: stories there's been many pre-season friendlies postponed already hasn't there uh and COVID having that impact players still testing positive I think you've got a it's a bit of a bizarre situation now because they're not insisting on testing for anybody so you've got a lot of clubs that frankly I think are putting their heads in the sand not testing and being able to play and you know for all we know they've got cases in their squad and then we've got other clubs like our own taking a very different position and Testing, following a detailed testing regime, no surprising that Steve Cotterill wants to do that given what mm. he's been through. But uh, yeah, so, so far we have we don't seem to have been in fact impacted in pre-season apart from that Tamworth game, and we don't really know what went on there. But our own squad seems to be largely unimpact, uh, not impacted. Although even there, we're not sure, are we? Because again, you look at yesterday, no Oli Nolan, no Tom Bloxham, no Charlie Caton. Is that COVID related? Mm. I don't know. We uh, we heard no word yeah. on why they weren't involved, but. Yeah, you'd imagine that we're going to see a COVID impact at some point in this season. There's going to be games called off again for sure. So I think we just have to ride that crest and keep our fingers crossed again, don't we really? At least the season is starting on time. So unlike last year where they had to truncate everything into six weeks less, they have got a bit more flexibility this time. Do
0: you feel like, sorry, going off on a tangent here, do you feel like COVID's affected the transfer window in that everything's just being pushed later with COVID people haven't sorted themselves out or they're waiting to see what happens before they pick a move and like... I'm just sitting thinking. We've already got a thin squad. Is there a possibility we lose a couple of players before the end of the window? Never mind sign any. You know, people are always sniffing around. Norburn Ogbeat has been linked away. Do you think that there's a chance that we get sort of, we get we get ram raided with three days to go before the end start of the season? And then we're scratching around in the loans market, and then Chris's relegation scrap's right on the cards. Then isn't it?
2: We've kind of pre-signed Better's replacement, haven't we? we in <laughs> yeah, exactly. George Nurse, so if better goes, we've got two left-backs. So we yeah. seem to have covered yeah. that one already. I, yeah, I think that, that we've was got an interesting track. one, wasn't
1: it? It was, yeah, interesting one there where we, yeah, obviously we haven't talked about Nurse. So, yeah, we signed Nurse um, from Bristol City um, in this week, who is a good sign-in. Um, he's played left wing-back, left-back for um, Newport County and did really well there. And went to Warsaw um, last season and did well there as well. Yeah, we're told that he can play left back, left wing back in central midfield. The manager, just, you know, said he, you know he wanted to sign him because if you can get the chance to sign quality, you sign him. But you're right, you know, there is a chance. The Steve Cotterill mentioned at the start of pre-season and one of his earlier press conferences that we might lose a player. Um, now, whether that was a better or Norburn or Pierre, I don't know. Maybe some talking about maybe Pike's going to move on or someone's going to go out on loan. But yeah, I think I think it would be naive to think that something isn't going to happen.
0: Could we all three of them, Ollie? Then we will be in trouble, won't we? I mean, we've already signed Davis to replace Norburn, haven't we? So that's job done as well, isn't it? So I think we you know, need more we than it- <laughs> three
1: central midfielders. But um, yeah, we'll come to that in a bit. Um, so what we're talking about players actually is then. So who do we think is going to be an, our player of the season? So Mike, who do you reckon? Um, I am going to go for the new goalkeeper, uh, Morosi.
0: is it? Morosi? I think if we're going to achieve anything, it's going to be built on a solid defensive foundation. And I think um, there's going to have to be somebody good and consistent in the sticks to, to make us do anything. So I think he's going to be called on a relatively large amount. I think he's going to have to earn his wage. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, as much as I don't like to have the player of the season as goalkeeper, I think it's probably going to be him for me. Yeah a lot of players online sure. have
1: gone for for Morosi in terms of being a standout player of the season so yeah there's definitely a theme there and um, Glenn what do you reckon it's a fair shout. i think you know defenders and
0: and and goalkeepers generally are a bit of a, a crutch for us over the last sort of 10 15 seasons aren't they other than a couple of standout ones um for me i'm going to go for the repeat um i think i'll go for Vela again he's looked um, he looked really good in that extra game, I thought, on Saturday, and he just is consistently good. And I think when we looked at maybe our votes for player of the season last year, Ollie, um, he ended up getting right at the top there because he very rarely has an extremely poor game. And there are lots and lots of issues between games, and I'm almost certain they'll be the same this season that just passed by with you know, nothing really happening, a 1-0, a 1-1, and, you know, you're struggling to pick your man in the match out there. And that's when players like Vela stand out. So I think if we're having another middling season, it, it almost kind of lends itself to a Vela or an exceptionally good Norburn season, for example. Um, the only thing that might might knock that is uh, if blocks if blocks or Bowman, sorry, go on a big goal-scoring spree, that might swing it. But for me, I think at this stage, I think you'd be sensible to pick
1: Vela. What do you reckon, Chris?
2: Well, first of all, you picked me up at the start of this thing for getting Blackpool at the start of last season. So let's be honest, when you asked me this question a year ago, I went for Dan Udo, who went on to score a massive four <laughs> goals. So I'm not sure I can be trusted <laughs> on this question. So, uh, But yeah, I, I think for me, it comes down to a bit of what I said before, whether if we have a struggling season, the player of the season is going to be somebody at the back who's basically stopped us getting stuffed week in, week out. So it's going to be a Morosi or for me, Matt Peddington, who I really think we will see a lot of this season. If we do have a good season, if it goes well and we're challenging or we're pushing at the top half, then... Presumably, we've started scoring a few goals at last, and maybe a Ryan Bowman, who's looked encouraging in pre-season, is suddenly the man. And I'm, I'm excited by him. But if you ask me to pick right now, player of the season, I'd go Matthew Pennington.
1: Cool. So yeah, on, online, um, Jason Frugal went for Pennington. Al Harvey, um, she went for Pennington as well. So there's a lot of people going for Pennington. Um, and this, um, yeah, Dan um, went for Bowman, and that's who I'm going for as well. I'm going to pre-season. It's the only time of the season to be really optimistic, um, because the yeah, reality will hit in a couple of weeks' time um, when we're losing, um, you know, away at Gillingham or something like that. Um, when the, all our t- when we can all of our dreams are kind of shattered. But yeah, for me, I'm, I'm going for Bowman. Uh, I think he's. I've really been impressed by what he's done in pre-season. Um, I think he'll be a player that will put, you know, a very consistent performance in. Um, I think he'll get some goals as well. Um, but interesting, you mentioned Dan Udo, and I think it's probably worth maybe taking a moment to talk about him. He's getting quite a lot of votes on 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 Twitter. A lot of people saying that they think he'll do really well. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, he scored some goals in, in pre-season, you know, he scored a, a really nice shot from outside the box at Exeter. I also like the fact that he scored two scrappy goals. So the goal away at Telford was really scrappy. And his goal, um, one his, his first goal at Exeter was scrappy as well. And, you know, we were, we've we lamented kind of Odo and given him a bit of criticism because his performance has haven't been up there. You know, he's played a lot of games. He hasn't scored many goals, Glenn. But there's that hope that, you know, he seems he seems fit. He seems sharp. Um, And the club and the chairman, I'm sorry, the chairman, Cottrell um, and the staff are are obviously clearly willing to put a lot of work into him. So you never know, it could be a dough.
0: Yeah, and I think that at the moment he is the front, he's the, the taxi cab at the front of the rank at the moment, isn't he? Bearing in mind we haven't brought anyone else in but Bowman um, and the, the young lads are probably going to push him. But I think when push comes to shove, it'll be a dough over blocksmore caton at the moment. And um, yeah, he could easily hit the ground running. He's certainly got the form to take it into the season. He could also easily go four games without scoring and we're back in the same boat we were last season. You know, I hope he does well. I hope he kicks on now. He's got probably one of his better opportunities um, it, by the looks of it because Cottrell's been playing two up front a lot of the pre-season. So another opportunity there for a second striker, which we've not really had for the last few years. So, yeah, fingers crossed the lad does well. Um, we're here to be impressed, I suppose. And, um, uh, yeah, you're right. Quite a lot of people did pick him on Twitter. I'll just run through a few more of the, the sort of... Um, Guesses that we had, but Taylor, he'd gone for Vella as well. Um, someone we haven't mentioned was Shoes Fan USA. He mentioned Elliot Bennett, which I think is a really good shout. His experience will probably be absolutely fantastic this season. Um, Thomas Miles Corbett went for Bowman, similar to two of you, really. Um, Sam 67 went for Leahy. Again, we haven't mentioned him, but another really experienced professional that we've got in the ranks this season that could stand out um yeah and then the Dan Udo fan page um yeah he went for Dan Udo just in case <laughs> about that. so
1: um yeah <laughs> yeah he seems to and, and in terms of um Dan who who shared his thoughts he went for Morosi as well uh, so he thinks that he's going to be the, the player mm. of the season so yeah a lot of people um, are quite confident and it's nice to have a goalkeeper our own goalkeeper Mike is that something you're pleased with or are you quite happy with the loans
0: I don't mind a lone goalkeeper. They're hard to come by as your own one. You know, you'll we'll look back at the last few seasons, the lone goalkeepers we've had have been good and, and served us well. Yeah, I don't think you're really gonna recruit that much value off a goalkeeper, so owning them isn't important. But again, it's just somebody who's committed to the club, he's gonna stick around, he's you know, he's he's clearly he's clearly interested in doing his best for Shrewsbury Town. When we're we might be a stepping stone, but at least he's committed to us being a stepping stone. So it's good. And, you know, the fact that he was in the team of the year, what, two years ago in a promotion side, you know, it shows that he's got pedigree, he's done it before. So his experience will probably be quite important in the dressing room as well. If if we want to put something together, him, you know, having been there and done it, should be pretty key as well. So, yeah, I'm really pleased with it. Made massive as well, apparently, which is always good for a goalkeeper. Don't like short goalkeepers. He's pretty big. Yeah. I was just one observation really there, is that it's interesting you say about players of the year, because actually we've got quite a few players with us now that have been in either League 1 or League 2 play- teams of the year or have been players of the year at their club, like Pierre. I think Lee, he has as well. I think Elliot Bennett's uh, been Blackburn's player of the year at times. So, you know, that experience at Ollie and that kind of um, having been there, done it, and been a standout player during a season, we've got a few more of those in than maybe we've had for a, quite a while previously. And we've got a few former captains as well. Aren't a few of them captains? Yep. Although it didn't, wasn't, was Bowman captain at the weekend? Did I see? Yeah, he was. I think that yeah. might have just been a. That's some weird captains in pre season.
1: Yeah, he seems to have been sharing yeah. it out, hasn't he? We've had our better as yeah. captain. Um, we've had, um, yeah, Bowman as captain. We've been sharing it around. I think that's an interesting point, actually. Like, Chris, do you think that Norburn will be captain, or do you think he will switch it up and he'll pick his own captain?
2: He was always very complimentary about Oliver Norburn as a captain, wasn't he? So. I've kind of assumed he would keep it unless there's something going on. It seems odd to me that he wasn't there yesterday. So, like I said, I'm hoping that's just a, a self-isolation thing and he, he'll be back on Saturday. And if he is, then I'm, I would guess he'll still be captain. But at the same time, it may be that he has to wait and start the season on the bench. It could be that he goes with Davis and Bella for the first ones, given that they've actually played some football. So, uh, yeah, it could be that whoever gets it on Saturday keeps it for a while and, and Ollie loses it almost by default rather than anything he's done wrong. Do you think he needs to
1: name a captain for the season, or do you think he maybe it's something that's not that as important as it used to be? I, th- I think, like Chris says, is that at the moment you can't assume anything other than Norburn is our club
0: captain because there's been no change. You know, generally it just rolls on, doesn't it? And I think that if it was going to be a change because it's quite a significant one for a football club and a, and a dressing room, I think they would announce it, Ollie. So my assumption is that until Norburn the you know leaves in the, in this window or we just roll into the season, it's. It's his to lose, really. I suppose. Um, you know, we obviously have captains when he's not around. You know, backup captains. It was nice to see Ogbetta do it at Telford. I thought, um, sorry, nice to see Ogberta do it at Hereford. Obviously, we had Elliot Bennett at Telford as well, and as you mentioned, Bowman against his old club at the weekend. So it's good that there's leaders in the squad that can kind of do that job and and stand up. And I just that's what my kind of point was. It feels like there's a lot more leaders um, and stuff like that. But if Norburn loses the captaincy to somebody, um, Lee, Lee he wants to take all the penalties off him as well. He'll
1: have nothing left to do at the football club, will he? Ah, started <laughs> Oh, So yeah, then thanks for that, guys. So next next um, ticket item is who is going to be um, the the um, the breakthrough young player? Um, so Dan um, went for Bloxham. Um, is there any anyone else who can think of it? So Nurse is he? Currently he's twenty two. I think that's a bit too old. Maybe um, you know a twenty four. So I think someone. I think if you need a breakthrough, you'll be twenty one or younger. And um, for yeah. me, there's no one really mm-hmm. apart from Bloxham who's kind of got the opportunity to kind of breakthrough on that. So I'm going for Bloxham. Um, I, say,
0: yeah. you. I was going to say, I think Bloxham is going to be the one that gets the most minutes. If you've, only got, uh, if you've only got Bowman and Udo in front of him, he's going to get time to to play. Because if we're playing two up top as well, they're not going to play every game, are they? So I think Bloxham's going to get plenty of pitch time, by the looks of it, unless we sign another striker before the end of the window. So yeah, he's got the best chance to, to really kick on, hasn't he, I think?
2: Just that last bit there, unless we sign another striker before the end of the window. I'm pretty sure we will sign another striker before the end of the window, so... Well, Bloxham will get some pitch time, I'm sure. I'm not sure how much that'll be in, in reality, unless he really takes his chance early and scores goals. So if you're going to break through a young player, I think you're being a bit harsh on this. The guy's only got 30 football league appearances. To me, if he comes in and plays 30, 40 games this year, that's a breakthrough for him. So I think he probably deserves to be mentioned in that kind of book, in that discussion as well. But I'm looking forward to so it. I liked what I saw of him yesterday. He looks a tidy player. I suspect he'll... Uh, yeah, I'm hoping he'll prove to be a good signing. So I'm probably going to go for him as my breakthrough
1: young player. No, I think that's a fair comment. I think the 30 games is, is definitely worth mentioning. Um, and yeah, we obviously, we've had quite a few young players come through in recent years. Obviously, we had better last year, played 25 games. But yeah, 22 is still very young. And I think actually it's really important that Betta has someone to compete. I thought it was really interesting when Gwyn Cottrell um, kind of lambasted the, the the agent's activity. He kind of commented about how his poor his performances were at the end of the season, having that competition is gonna be really key. Yeah. Um, worth pointing yeah. out yeah.
2: better himself is only twenty. But yeah. I suppose he's already had his breakthrough year. Last year was the breakthrough, yeah. breakthrough for him. He he's already the world's
1: greatest footballer, so you know
0: he's, <laughs> fine. He's broke he's broken through. He'll be having his breakthrough year at Peter Brassoon, lads. That's your problem here at the moment. <laughs> it's not going to be breaking through at our football club for better, is it? He's got a yeah. he's got a bigger, bigger breakthrough to do, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully we keep him. But I mean, you know, we we sort of um especially during the football manager stats and bits and bobs, you know, we kind of get to see who the sort of new youth players come. We don't know who the new youth intake is yet. That'll probably be announced during this first few weeks of the season and whether there's any talents in there. But there's a lad called Lewis Dubry, um, who's a Montserrat uh, international already? Which I'm not sure how difficult it is to be a Montserrat international, but um, I think he's young. He's a second year scholar now. Um, I suspect we may see him involved. Um, as I think he was last season a very little bit in some of the um, minor cup competitions, and maybe where we need some cover. So if you're looking for someone to come out of that academy, I think he's probably uh, probably the one you're going to look at, Ollie, at the moment. Um, Cameron Gregory, obviously Clint. another one. But sorry, was Clint, we're off. all
2: old enough. Hopefully, you're old enough, Glenn, to remember Michael Juber, the Chelsea player. So this guy's yeah. his nephew. He's his nephew. So that yeah. that's a nice little link. To, he's got some family pedigree. So yeah, that, probably uh, somebody who's got a bit of hope about him.
0: Yeah, might see might see doobs down the meadow one day to watch him or something. But um, yeah, so uh, you know that's my kind of inside knowledge of what's going on in, in, in the academy. But interesting to see what the new youth take in, is, intake is and, and what's going on there because sometimes you do get that first year pro that some, some suddenly comes from somewhere. So um, yeah, obviously hoping there's a bit of talent there. The only one I was going to mention is Cam Gregory, but I suspect if he's going to make any kind of breakthrough to first team football, it's going to be you know maybe playing for a conference club or a conference north club like he has been over the last few years. So it might be a good idea once we've got goalkeeping settled into the window to get. Out on loan and get him more games really. So, Glenn, what, what yeah, were cool. people
1: online saying for breakthrough players? Um,
0: so yeah, I think like our discussions, who who counts? We've got a doe, um that was shoes fan USA again. We had a, a, a um, we had a, a Bloxham from Chris Lewis nurse from uh, Steve on Twitter. Um, Fraser went for Nurse at the moment but you know, um, making a valid point which don't nobody mentioned really is that some of the lone players we get in are probably going to be very young and it might be that it's one of those guys that comes in and, and makes a breakthrough even though they're not really one of our players um, Alex Morley went for Bloxham as well um, and yeah, last one on here Tony Lewis went for Bloxham so I think, I think the majority were going for Bloxham Cool, yeah,
1: there's a lot of people um, going for Bloxham which is not a surprise um, so um, talk, we talked and kind of flirted around it a few times um, who are we going to go for? Um, what do you guys reckon for for improvements? So, Mike, where where do you think the club need to improve the most? And before we before the window shuts,
0: um, well, the glare and all in the squad that everybody's talking about is we need a, a a link between the very defensive midfielders that we've got and the strikers that we've got. We need that number ten, that I always call it the John Nolan player, you know, or a Harry Chapman, somebody who's going to take the ball on the half turn, go go, you know, break a line and then make that pass. We haven't had one really. You know, Chapman was decent at it, but we haven't really had a proper one since Nolan, I think. And that's something we need to work on. Um, I would like another striker. You know, poor old Tom Bloxon's going to get bumped down the, the pecking order, but we do need somebody else. I think Bowman looks like a bit of a, a physical He's a runner, he's a unit. Danny Udo's raw. I think we need some, we, we could get do with somebody coming in who's scored some goals at this level, um, you know, just to steady the ship a bit. I think we're all right at fullback. I think, unless we lose one of the central midfielders we've got, we're all right for the sit in you know, water carriers in the middle. But I think I wouldn't mind another centre-half as well if if we revert to the three centre-halves and wing-back system. Um, I know Lee can play there. I know apparently Nurse can play there, but another specialist centre-half. So we've got four in the team. I think that would be good as well. So centre-half, 10, striker.
1: Oh, cool, yeah, I'd say they're definitely the, the requirements. I know the manager talked about getting more cover at right wing-back. I think he wants competition in the squad, so that would make sense. Um, I think someone who can have the number 10 role who can kind of play maybe on the flank or somewhere like that would be helpful. Um, what would you anything to add to that, Glenn? No, I think we
0: talked about it last week, didn't we? Yeah. A little bit. Um, I would agree with Mike's pressing concern. And all I would want to say on that is there's a certain player called Harry Chapman who still hasn't featured for Blackburn this summer, um, despite signing a one year contract extension. Get the feeling maybe we might be saving a few of our glorious pound coins to, to maybe prize him away when the opportunity arises because you know makes it makes sense for a move here but i could also see him going to someone with a few more pounds than us so he's definitely i get the feeling he's definitely gonna be moving still at some point this summer <clears throat> whether we can sneak in and, and and make that move which i think would be greeted fantastically
1: by every she's Town fan we we'll wait and see really what do you reckon chris what if you're the if you are the manager or you're in this meeting what, what was your kind of top what's your top priorities or do you think we need more than three four players do you, do you want to see five six come in
2: Including loans, I think, yeah, I think we need five, six. I think you've cut every position you've mentioned we need. We need that number 10. We need that. Uh, Do we need centre-back. two number 10s? Well, we need at least one. And yeah, cover would be nice. Yeah, number we, I suppose Sean Wally's the cover, isn't it, if we sign a starter? Yeah. But we certainly need more centre back covers because right now, one injury and we're in trouble again. You, you look yesterday and we're playing basically full backs at centre back. I don't want to be doing that too often in the actual league. Uh, we need more midfield cover for me as well because we've still only got Davis, Norburn, and Bella. Um Even with the number ten, I'd want I'd want more standard midfielders if you like. And yeah, right wing back because Elliot Bennett isn't going to play 46 games this season, so we need another right wing back. We've got Josh Daniels, but it seems clear to me the manager doesn't fancy him. I mean, the guys had what we've only we've got such a tiny squad, and yet he's not managed more than 20 minutes on the pitch in any game we've had of the three. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. So it's clear to me that there's not much future for him. Otherwise, surely he'd have played more football in pre-season. So, yeah, we need that right wing back as well for me. So, yeah, number 10, striker, centre-back, midfielder, right wing back. That's five for me. There you go. Yeah, we definitely need <laughs> like some
1: more, more strength, don't we? And it's not just about numbers, isn't it, as well? It's about quality. I know me and Glenn have been having this debate quite a lot about, you know, bringing players in and, you know, looking at other teams, you know, obviously other teams have recruited. You don't really know, have they recruited well? Have they just kind of got bodies in? Is it about quality? One thing I would say, obviously, we've, the, the, the management team have recruited well so far, I would say. Yeah. You know, we've signed players, you know, it seems like purp- there's a purpose behind them. You know, last summer, we were going in you know, and we were getting in you know, pew and you know, unfit players. It doesn't feel like we're going down that route. Um, for me, I wouldn't be surprised if we have you know, a few big names or big surprises. I wouldn't be surprised if we signed Ooh. someone like Aidan Flint from Cardiff you know, that kind of link where Cottrell has that kind of link and that kind of connection. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if we got a bit of a big name. I know we were in for Sam Vokes, um, so that would be good. Um, I know Brian says he's really hopeful. We're going to get some players in before the for Saturday, which obviously would be very nice. Um, but hopefully, yeah, we can sign a few players because obviously, you know, we had Ollie Norburn and Pierre away. But I think it's gonna, I think we're going to have to be patient the first few weeks. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for this team to bed in. Um, what do you reckon, Glenn? I think Vogue's already signed for someone, didn't he last he signed week? Signed for Wigan. Signed for Wickham Wanderers. It, yeah.
0: yeah. But Will Grigg's still available, so you
1: know. Never well, Will Grigg, Grigg is available. Him. He's <laughs> actually playing for Sunderland, um, and, the, and he seems I know. to. Be, yeah, he's, he's been interesting one, um, which is yeah, interesting, interesting story around Grigg. Obviously, he nearly signed for us. Um, mm. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. I think with with the signings, I just have confidence in, in the management team. Yeah, it'd be good. As I say, it, it, we're one of only
0: about we were looking at this in the week. And there was only about four clubs in our division now that haven't got a lone player in already. So we've saved our powder on that. We haven't filled up those lone spaces early doors, so we might get a better pick of things down the line. But yeah, it, I, I, I thing I'm a bit frustrated, but maybe not. It depends how the season starts. Chris, is you know we always like the ideal of, of having a squad together ready to go into the season and it kind of all being built. But you know, with whatever it is, seven days left now, seven and six days left them. Um, it, it is a bit frustrating, it feels a little bit frustrating that we haven't quite got where we need to be by the start
1: of the season, but you know, it doesn't we mean need We need to forget about just, this, yeah. we need to give up yeah, on this no, kind of I... dream because it never happens, does it? No one ever seems mm. to do it, it never seems to happen. Um, we never sign players, we never, you know, I think like, you look at the Premier League, like Man City haven't signed anyone, and they're probably one of the most organized, richest clubs. No, but they will, well, they will <laughs> sign players. But, yeah, I think I think the idea that we're going to get everyone in before the window closes, I think, is something we have to kind of just have to live with.
2: I think the fixture list probably helps us here as well. In that we, on paper at least, and I suppose it's hard to say this at this stage, but on paper we've got a softer start than we could have had. So we do, you know, our starting eleven isn't bad. I think we have got a decent team. It's just strength and depth that worries me. But if the team we've mm. got can get off to a decent start and get some points on the board, and we get to the end of August and the squad stronger. Then we could kick on. You know, we could go on and have a really good season. It's just, I suppose, the worry is we get to the end of August and we haven't managed to bring in what we want.
1: So, um, yeah, interesting input on what we need um, going forward for, for before the window closes. Um, so, yeah, we we couldn't do a pre-season pod and without talking about the kit. Um, so, yeah, um, Dan shared his view and he said he don't he doesn't like it. Um, he thought it didn't think it was a great idea to to break with an existing con um, contract. Um, when we couldn't, couldn't get your own colours or bespoke kit, which I think obviously is necessary for Shrewsbury Town. Um, so, yeah, me and Glenn spoke about this in the last pod. Um, but, Mike, what's your view on, on the kit?
0: Uh, well, initially, obviously, didn't like it. It's the wrong colours. It's not it's not a Shrewsbury Tank kit. But having listened to Glenn moan about it so much, I feel like I might be coming round to it just to purely <laughs> annoy him. I think I might buy one. I might buy my son one. I might go around his house in it. Um, it's one of those things, and it? it's a kit. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? I think if we win the league in it, it will go down as a classic. If we have a terrible season in it, people will think it's down to the kit and it's bad luck. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think it's funny, the town, when they put out their, their pictures on Twitter, that they put a filter on it to make it look like it's amber because that's that's almost um, false advertising if you're going to actually buy one because it's bright yellow. It's almost a, a Fernabachi kit more than the Shoe's Town kit, I think. I used to have a, a Fernabachi kit when I was a kid and it's taking me back. So, yeah, it's terrible, but it's just for a season, hopefully. Uh, and if we if we pull a few awesome retros out of the out of the fire in, in sort of christmas time i think we're we'll more than make up for the sales that we've lost on it by selling a bunch of those so it's in umbro's court now to do something good for us this year because they've, they've fucked it up to start with let's be honest
1: i think it's fair to say we fucked it up to be honest rather than umbro uh, I'm,
0: I'm not blaming brian i like brian
1: I'm <laughs> broken <can have> that <laughs> i do even brian's fall over um, yeah. it was someone else but um yeah and um, what was your thoughts on this chris
2: uh, well, it's not a true if you it. My first reaction was I absolutely ruddy hate it and I wouldn't wear it in a million years. But then at the same time, I wouldn't buy a football shirt anyway. I'm not their target market. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm, I'm just, i just not going to buy it. So I'm, frankly, you know, if Brian's listening to this, he's not lost a sale through me because I probably wouldn't have bought the thing anyway. So I wouldn't worry about what I think, to be honest. But having watched it the last game, I have to say on the team, it looks fine. I watched them play yesterday and I I kind of came to what Mike said. It's a football kit. I thought they... They look all right. They look all right. I wouldn't wear it, but uh, it, it's fine. And I think what you said about the retro kits was good. The one thing I would say, if Shrewsbury were going to have go with Umbro and we couldn't get blue and amber, I'm kind of in the school that instead of going for this bizarre yellow thing, I, I think they should have just gone for a blue and white kit. Roland Wichley's wanted it for the last 20 years anyway. I'd have thought this was the perfect chance to give our chairman what he wants for a year, and people, were go- people would have moaned, but hell, they're moaning anyway, so, you know... Well, how old's Roland now? 80 years old. Give give him something he actually wants. Yeah, I'd have been happy with a blue and white kit for just one year.
0: I'd like to see Roland buy a kit and wear one down the meadow. That (laughs) would make my day. Give him a blue and white one. Make him wear it to every game. There were some old photos knocking around from the, the Gay Meadow days where he used to go down in a kit for the for the pre-season photos. If you remember that, he used to you know yeah. sit with them and he didn't used to wear back in that day. He used to wear the full kit. So <laughs> I say bring that back. If he wants a blue and yellow kit, he should sit there in the squad photo and wear the bloody thing as far as I'm concerned. But one thing I have to say, Ollie, I've heard this a lot this week due to my incessant moaning, but... If we win the league in this kit, it will just be that shit kit we won the league in. It won't be iconic in any way whatsoever. It'll still be a terrible kit. So whether we have a good season or a bad season is irrelevant. It's blue and well, yellow. What They've, made me laugh? We've gone through it. the reasons for it, but it
2: you're laughing. wrong you're on that, back, Glenn. Bloody. Glenn, you're wrong. History yeah. if we win the league in this kit in 20 years' time, people will love it. And you'll it be a make... you'll be a sixty-year-old band wearing a yellow and blue retro striped shirt. It's well, this is this
0: gets to my point here, Chris. Glyn was vociferous about this kit at Telford. He was fuming, this is a disgrace, look, it looks ridiculous. I turned to look at him, and he's wearing the yellow and blue Wear Males retro remake kit.
2: So, yeah, yeah, what do what you think of that oh, kit? That was it. the same it's thing.
0: I'll tell you what, lockdown has been hard on me. It's the only kit I've got that fits fit to me anymore, Mike. So you should be a bit more respectful of that, to be honest with you. So um, I'd certainly be in blue and amber if those kits fit me anymore. But I think, Chris, if I make 60, uh, the last thing I'll be wearing is a football shirt. And you're right, maybe we're the wrong demographic for it. And I think that is a entirely fair point. But I've
1: been my children and they hate it as well. So we're all good here. I think at the end of the day, yeah, as like Mike said, it's it's annoying. You see it. Obviously, there's a few other clubs and stuff will take the mic out of it. End of the day, it's a football kit. It's yeah, it doesn't really matter in the fresh. Yeah, it's not a shrewd tan kit, but it doesn't look too bad. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully, we have a nice, um, hopefully, we don't have a yellow away kit that would just be you know, like last year we had a blue kit, then we have a purple away shirt. Mm. So, at least, hopefully, we have a contrasting color. Hopefully, they'll pull out the bag Argentina or AC Milan or something or something decent. It might just be plain white. Um, knowing our luck, um, but we'll see what we get. But a lot of other clubs are having issues with kits and stuff. But yeah, it, it's not ideal. I think we've like say seen it. I like to
0: see our fans' reaction if we roll out a bright pink away kit. I think they might lose lose their minds if
1: the away kit's terrible as well. Yeah, a, we'll if the away kit is ride. terrible. Yeah, they're yeah. going to get powers.
2: There's no real excuse <laughs> for that because we know it's a template kit. But there's actually some pretty nice kits on the Unreal website. I think we've all yeah. picked the away kit, and we can all pick a nice one. But, yeah, there is that worry that they'll manage to find a rubbish one
0: still. <laughs> You're looking at the slightly more expensive off-the-peg kits, though. We're not shopping in that market at the moment. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're definitely in the Rabona, Jeepo, Umbro kits this season. So, unfortunately, we've only got about six in that, that to pick from. One of them is a lovely mint, humbug, green and, and black. So, uh, yeah, why not? Go balls to the wall. It's, it's it, going to be terrible. We'll just make it the worst you can. <laughs> I wonder if it's actually a technically good kit. Because, obviously, there's a lot of technology that goes into football kits for elite-level sportsmen now. Is it breathable enough? Is it a good fit for the players? If it's an off-the-peg Sunday league kit, how do the players feel about I'm having sure. something that's
1: relatively Surely well, you
2: know, That's why wanted it, though. Surely he's gone for yeah. Umbro for quality. Yeah,
1: apparently that's why it was. He... Well, we wanted to change because he didn't like the quality whatever, but
0: oh, who enough. knows? Uh... I'm 100% behind the rumour that he's got shares in Umbro or some sort, of, <laughs> some sort of holding, and that's what it's all about. I think, you know, someone needs to do some deep digging here and find out what the true story is. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I kinda of like the idea that it's like it's the it's the Dave Brailsford thing with UK cycling about small margins or something. Maybe Cottrell just thinks slightly better quality care over the course of the season might be worth five points to us, and those five points could be the difference between, you know, success and not success. So who knows? That's the kind of detail I think he plots in. So
0: Oh, well, there we go. I'm not going to stop moaning about it. So that's the end of that, Ollie. We'll revisit this as the season goes on, I'm sure. But um, yeah, that's kind of the end of the town bit we wanted to cover, isn't it, Ollie, really? And, and, you know, we made some, let's be honest, other than Chris, god awful predictions about what would happen in League One last season. But um, we will touch on it again, just because it gives us a bit of a chance to make ourselves look foolish, Ollie. So,
1: yeah, the first question you've got down here was who do you think will win the league, mate? So I think it'd be quite a simple one this year. Uh, I think Ipswich are going to win the league. they have recruited very well. Um, they've got Wes Burns in from Fleetwood. We've got Harper in from West Brom, who's really highly rated. Um, they've got Piggott from Wimbledon, Fraser from Owen K. Dons, Edmondson from Rangers, um, and Connor Chaplin from, from Barnsley, just to name a few. Um, they have recruited incredibly well. Um, they also have a manager who has, has gone up from this division before. Um, so they've got a good manager there as well. And um, for me, I can't see anyone but Ipswich I think Wigan will probably push them. They'll be signed some really good players. It does feel like the Wigan at the start of one of their normal rotations, spend a load of money in a few years, they'll be in admin again. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens there. Other teams you'd expect to do well, Sheffield Wednesday, God knows where they're going to go. Sunderland's have got no fullbacks and holes in their squad. Pompey seems like they're having a huge transition. So yeah, there's a lot going on. for me, Ipswich are kind of, the, the obvious choice um, for me, Glenn. What, what, what about
0: you? Yeah, I think it's hard to look beyond someone like an Ipswich who, who you'd think would suddenly get it right, or um, I don't know, Charlton. I suppose would be my, my my guess at this stage. Not knowing too much about what's gone on at clubs, um, you know, sort of been yo-yoing between the two divisions. So you'd like to think that they've got the a little bit more about them than say Wickham and Rotherham, who came down as well. So um, yeah, I think I'd probably uh, go for Charlton, who have, have kind of. Probably going to get one of their seasons where they get back up, whether they do it automatically or, or, or win the league. I don't know, but I think they'll be there or thereabouts, Ollie. What about you, Mike? It's probably the part of the podcast I should have logged off for because, like, as usual, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. But I'm going to say whoever signs the world's greatest footballer, Nathaniel Og better. So Peter were at the front, of the queue. So Peter going to five better. He's going to score 35 goals from the inside left and they're going to win the league.
1: Or the champion, yeah. they'll win the championship then.
0: Yeah, well, are they in the championship now then? Yeah. Hey, they've already gone up. I'm a year ahead of that. That's it. <laughs> See, I don't know if i call about anything that isn't shoes, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to say Burton again then, otherwise.
2: Burton, Burton will do well. <laughs> Burton like I did last year.
1: Cool. Chris, what do you reckon?
2: This division this year, isn't it? There's a, there must be seven or eight teams who probably think they belong in the Premier League. I mean, it's a ridiculous division. You've got Charlton, you've got Sheffield Wednesday, you've got Ipswich, you've got Sunderland, you've got Wigan, you've got Bolton Wanderers. These are big, big clubs, so it's a tough league this year. I Without being... Too boring, I'm with you, Ollie. to be honest. I think Ipswich Town have bought well and they're going to be hard to stop. Uh, yeah, I'd like to make the brave prediction, but yeah, for me, Ipswich Town will win the league.
1: Cool, and that's what Dan went for as well. So yeah, Dan shared his views and he went for and four for them as well. And now we get to the really interesting part of the pod, um, our dark horses. So yeah, as Chris um, is kind of the dark horse champion, we'll let him go first. Who do you reckon, Chris? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, I've got two for very different reasons. So my dark horse to do well, I don't even know if this counts as a dark horse, but they've only just come up from League Two. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying Bolton Wanderers are going to struggle. I don't agree. I think Bolton will have a good season and they'll be pushing at the top end. So I'll go Bolton Wanderers as a dark horse. Uh, Dark horse for a kind of wrong reason as well. I see that Portsmouth seem to be trialling about 30 players this summer. Their entire squad seems to be a bunch of trialists. They've had Sean Goss down there. They've brought in players that, frankly, I'm not sure we'd have wanted. Uh, they've got Danny Cowley, I suppose he's their X factor, but you know if his magic doesn't come off, they may have a harder season than they used to. So for all the wrong reasons, I might pick them to struggle a little bit. I'm not saying they'll go down. I don't think they'll be close to going down, but below halfway, which for them would be a disappointment.
0: Yeah, well, I mean for the championship, my dark horse obviously Peterborough when they sign up better, you know. Um, but I'm going to say my dark horse for this league is going to be Shrewsbury Town. I think Steve Cottrell coming back from COVID, what he managed to do when he took us over. Um, if he gets it right, he gets some some remaining signings right. I'm going to put Shrewsbury Town down as the dark horses. Little cheeky playoff push towards the end of it if it goes right. Yeah, we'll go with that.
1: Cool. What are you, Glenn?
0: Incredibly difficult to tell. I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the league table, here, thinking about some of the teams. I think have done okay in the summer. I think, like, I can't see them winning the league, but I could see Fleetwood having a reasonably good season and being up there, which is you know a bit better than what they've been doing the last few years. And I would have said MK Dons, like, because they spent all last year trying to play this sexy football that um failed at our club when we absolutely destroyed them and they tried to pair it from the back and i i figured they would have probably been building on that and 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 continuing to take it forward but clearly they just lost their manager today russell martin went to swansea didn't he so whether a new manager can come into mk dons and and can kind of continue that style of football that you think might eventually pay dividends at this division if they get a bit of grit with it um i probably would have said mk dons so i'll stick with mk dons rather than fleetwood uh, on the chance a new manager comes in and gets them going straight away but um very, very difficult, isn't it, Ollie? with, with what's going on at clubs? Because, you know, we can talk about everything we talked about with our club and what we're needing to do, but pretty much every club is in the same boat in terms of trying to finish their squads. And, you know, some, someone could sign a, a couple of good players. We could sign a couple of good players. It's so difficult. But stick me down for MK Dons. Let's see how
1: bad that goes this season. Cool. Um, so, yeah, and that's the same as um, Dan went for MK Dons as well. It it interesting on MK interesting Dons... This could maybe be the making of them this season. Yeah, you mentioned about... I've seen people going off on the deep end about how amazing Russell Martin is as a manager. He finished 13th last season. He lost 18 football matches in the league. That's not some kind of, you know, Pep-esque genius who's working his way up <coughs> the football division. He finished 13th. He finished below Accrington Stanley and crew. So I just don't really get this bullshit about him being this messiah manager. Um, you know, we absolutely rip them apart trying to pass out the back and, and maybe they get a manager who, you know, passing football is fantastic. I love passing football, but this is league one and sometimes you need to be pragmatic. If it's not working in the game, you need to maybe tone it down a little bit or change your tactics. So maybe they'll get a manager who's a little bit more pragmatic, who likes passing football and maybe we'll kind of have that right blend of, of, of passing football, but a little bit more pragmatism and we'll change the tactics a little bit more and uh, maybe they'll do really well because of the change. Who knows? Uh, football's a funny game. Um, it's, so, it's
0: a nice club to go into, MK Dons, isn't it? As yeah, um, you've got some really I mean, good players. You know, but me, I think my yeah.
1: my 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 dark horses are Lincoln. I just think you've got a really good manager there. Appleton is a really good manager. They did really well last season. Um, they've those they, they, he always recruits well. Um, he's he's a very sensible football manager. Um, he's clever. He's got good tactics. So I think Lincoln could be a dark horse, which and the reason though for me they're a dark horse, obviously they did well last season. Um, they, did, they finished in a decent position, but obviously comp- comparing them to bigger clubs, you know, Sunderland's and Ipswich's and Sheffield Wednesday, competing at the top of the league makes them a dark horse to make. So I'm going for Lincoln.
2: Can I just add on um, MK Dons? We've talked about MK Dons quite positively there. Can we all agree on this podcast that there's still a bunch of parasites and we hate them though? Yeah. We can't have nice things being said about MK Dons. Yes. Very much so. Yeah, and I wish they just dropped that. the don, if if
1: they dropped the dons bit and just I don't became MK United or something. I think that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, I'm very much in the Wimbledon um, court when it comes to that topic. If they just
0: disappeared off the face of the earth, that would be really helpful as well, Ollie. So, <laughs> that'd probably be my stance on the whole thing because they. Yeah, I could completely agree with Chris. We say this every time we do the Wimbledon, uh, the MK Don or Wimbledon game, Ollie. Uh, um, yeah. We say this every time we do the Wimbledon game or an MK Dons game on the podcast. Chris, I'm sure you've listened to it. We always have managed to get a pop in there because, yeah, it was a pretty shit uh, episode in football, wasn't it? But um, there we go. So that's our courses. I suppose, who do we think is going to struggle? Just finish this section off. Um, I, I don't mind starting, really. I mean, you've got to look at the teams that struggled last year or, or the ones that have come up, really. I'm not sure Cheltenham look all that prepared for the season um, from from talking to my mate who's... a A Cheltenham fan I've mentioned on the podcast before, it'd be nice to meet up with him this season again, which will be good, but he's quite pessimistic about um, where they're at this season. So I think I'd probably throw them in with Wimbledon, who have just perennially struggled, haven't they, and and have kind of stuck in it um, due to teams going bust and bits and bobs out, haven't they? So um, I'll throw them in with those, possibly Morecambe, and then maybe Cambridge. I wasn't really impressed with Cambridge when we played them last year. I know it was a a gritty game, but they didn't look like they had a lot for League One. So, um, yeah, they're my four.
1: Well, what do you guys, Mike, what do you reckon?
0: you know, you're coming to me for the real insight of League 1. Get a league very, table up for Christ's very sake. Very kind of you. I'm, sat, I'm not I'm looking at it almost, but know I think... He's it's struggle, it's It struggles like... I suppose struggles are a competitive thing. I think that I always like when the team, the big teams that come down and can't quite get it done. I'm hoping teams like Wednesday struggle. I think Sunderland will continue to struggle as they always struggle. Um, I'd like to see, you know, Wickham come down and struggle because I don't really like Wickham. So, there's three of them um, and I chuck Burton in there because, you know, I chuck him in for everything. So, <laughs> um, but no, i like, I like to see the big club struggle. So Sunderland and Wednesday uh, and Wigan would be nice to see them really struggle to get it together and not really be able to work out why they can't get out of League One again. Would be, um, it's always amusing, especially especially Sunderland. Uh,
2: the teams coming up this year look on paper like they're going to struggle to stay up. You know, you, you've almost got a scenario where all four of them could go back again, although I don't think that will be the case. But I think Cambridge and Morecambe are pretty much doomed. I don't fancy them at all. Uh, Bolton will be fine. I think I've talked about them as a dark horse. Cheltenham, um, they're struggling to recruit, but their manager can is, uh, is a good manager. So if I think that he might he might be the X factor for them that keeps them up, if anything. But for me, yeah, Morecambe and Cambridge are doomed. And I'd add to that, I've got a funny feeling crew are going to go backwards this year. I think David Artell might find it hard second time around. And similar reasons, I, th- I suppose this would be another dark horse for all the wrong reasons. I've got a feeling Accrington stanley might have a, a little bit of a hangover from the season they had last year. So... I see them being down the bottom. I think Wimbledon are going to do better than people think this year. I have, I've just I've, based on what I've seen them recruit, it reads well to me. I, I'm not saying they'll do well, but I've got a feeling they could be a Shrewsbury and that they could be comfortably outside it in 16th, 17th or something.
1: Yeah, no, nothing. nothing fair comments. Um, yeah, for me, I've hear Bolton are spending money like it's going out of fashion again. I'm sure they're starting their their regular cycle of of boom and bust. I'm um, sure they'll be shaking the buckets in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, you've got Cheltenham for me. I think are going to struggle. Um, Cambridge and Morecambe. The other one, I think, is probably gonna be someone who's been in League One for a while. So you guys have mentioned them. Yeah, Wimbledon, um Plymouth, I think, might struggle as well. Crew are gonna struggle. They've lost a lot of good players. Stanley, maybe, maybe they're you know they've all got a very small budget for this level, um, might struggle. Fleetwood is a team that as well that could really struggle. Um, Fleetwood have lost a lot of players. Um, I think I don't, I don't I'm quite sure if I really rate their manager that highly. So I think they might struggle as well. There's always going to be someone's going to fall. Um, yeah, I remember reading a, an article in the summer about Sheffield Wednesday, and it sounds like an absolute basket place of a club. Um, they signed some Championship players, and they've managed to keep Bannon so far. You know, for me, they're the kind of club that you know if they have a have a few bad results, their chairman sounds like an interesting character. He starts meddling again, change a manager, and yeah, I think that they could they could easily fall. And you know, League One and the Football League is an unforgiving place. Um and obviously we're full of clubs, we're full of this division is full of um fans who think their their station is much higher than it is. Um and there's a lot of fans, and yeah, League One is really good at teaching fans a bit of humility. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if someone struggles and yeah, it's it's I think it's gonna be a, a tough season. I wouldn't be surprised if a big team has a real, real bad season. Maybe Pompey looking at them at the moment as well. They might have a bit of a mare.
0: I, I quite like Mike's approach to liking to see the big teams getting a bit of a humbling or you know, knocking Wickham a peg or two back down to their non-league status that they really are and always were before. So I'm all for I'm all for the teams that we've got this right. You know, as much as you can pick Lincoln to have a good season, I'm not. I don't wish Lincoln any good at all after what happened at Wembley. So I'm, you know, every team that's wronged us in the past, we want them in the bottom half, and then us just sitting nicely above them. And then last day, Wrexham failed to get promoted despite spending millions and millions of pounds on players. That's my season. That's what I'm looking for, Ollie <laughs> bitterness and, and having won over all our rivals yeah if you can't enjoy success you must revel in misery I think that's <laughs> that's the story of where me and Glynn sit at the football and that's, the our, that's yeah. our family motto yeah. <laughs>
2: you mentioned Wrexham then they've obviously taken Paul Mullen off Cambridge United I mean the only reason Cambridge are in this division is because of Paul Mullen probably Mm -hmm. and they've not replaced him they're not going to replace that number of goals so that's why they're probably going to struggle well they've lost Keith Burt as well
1: so obviously Keith Burt played a big role in building that squad last summer Um, and obviously we've got him now so yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one for those guys yeah Wrexham is going to be an interesting one I fear we might be playing them in a few years time um, which would be it's been quite fun them just being in non league for what like 10 12 years now um so yeah hopefully that can continue but considering this, they're we're, they're sponsored by TikTok and we're sponsored by Harry Tuffin supermarket um yeah it's it's quite quite interesting
0: We're not some American rich man's plaything, are we? We're a proper football club owned by local people who care about this football club and don't make, you know, ironic, semi-ironic videos about the football club to promote them in, which is really funny to the rest of football. But I'm sure as a Wrexham fan, you don't care as long as the pounds keep coming in through the tills. But I don't know. It's a bit of a circus, isn't it, to me? And the more money they spend and the more time they fail to get out of that division, it makes it even more hilarious to me. So um, I'll quite happily watch their Netflix documentary where they come 11th next season. It'll be box office, mate, I tell you. Yeah,
1: we've we've ended this podcast in a very bitter place. But uh... um but to be fair, um yeah, it's it's gonna be in a very, very interesting season. Um yeah, it's gonna be long. Um, it's gonna be probably disrupted with COVID. Um who knows how it's gonna go. Um but yeah, any any last comments or, or questions or tangents we want to go off before we end the pod? I mean, we talked about it last week, Ollie, but I was gonna ask the guys about just
0: what their feelings are before going back to live football at the meadow in front of maybe hopefully 6,000 fans on Saturday, you know, obviously you're going to sit next to you, Mike, but the experience of going back, you know, maybe go to the fans beforehand. It's something you've obviously missed. How much are you looking forward to Saturday? I'm looking forward to getting me free pie. That's my main <laughs> thing I'm looking forward to. Um, it's, it feels odd, really. I, I, my wife said to me, oh, are you getting the match on Saturday? And I was like, am I? It's not Saturday, is it? Surely not. It seems to come around quite quickly. And with the Euros and then the Olympics and and sort of the COVID thing, it's nice that it's kind of sprung out of nowhere and there's a bit of normality coming. Um I hope people feel comfortable going back. I I don't really have any problems. I'm double jabbed. I'm going to go wearing my mask on the way in, sit in my seat, you know, and and have a nice, have a nice time just seeing people you haven't seen. You know, you're talking about Andy who sits in front of us at the match. I haven't seen that guy for two years. Like, I don't really know him, but it'd be nice to see him again. You know, it'd be good to be back amongst the, 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 the highs and lows of the residents of Block 17. I've missed all of them for one reason or another. So it'll be, I think it'll just be really nice and it would be nice to watch some nice football to go with it. And Chris, we're asking you the same question, but I think you've moved your ticket slightly closer to where the other three of us sit now. So obviously you must have been entertained by our sparkling banter during the game. But yeah, you're going to be a bit close to us next season.
2: Yeah, I really can't wait for this season for two reasons. So (laughs) yeah, the reason I've moved closer to you guys is I needed to get two seats. So I've got a season ticket for my son for the first time this season. My boy Thomas, he's six years older and he's really fallen in love with football this summer. We've watched the Euros together. You know, he is only just six, turned six in May, and he stayed up until 11, 11, whenever it was, watching the Euro final. He was actually heartbroken when we lost in penalties, but he got through it all and he watched the whole thing. And he watched the Exeter game with me yesterday. And he was, uh, you know, to him, Exeter and a pre-season friendly was as big a deal as the Champions League final. And his celebration when we went (laughs) 1-0 up in the fourth minute, he was loving it. So he won't be with me on Saturday, but he'll be coming because he's going to be away on holiday. But uh, yeah, he'll be coming with me. In September, I think the crew game will be his first game. Like, so I'm probably looking forward to crew more than any game at the minute. I can't wait to get him down to the meadow and game watching games. So that's my first reason. And then my second reason was also to do with Oxford yesterday. I'm just sick of computers for watching football now. I mean, that YouTube feed went down three times yesterday, and I've had Um, enough of it. You know, it's it's going to be nice to actually be able to watch a game and just rely on my own eyes as opposed to YouTube
0: and do this. You know, we're on Zoom talking now to record this podcast and we can see each other. But that physical, physical lack of physical contact with someone and talking to someone face to face as a football fan who, who spends most of the day with their mates at the match is, is such a miss. And I've talked about it on the podcast for the last two years, haven't I? But we're almost back there. We're almost back to the point where we can all have a pint in the fan zone. We can see people that we know. We can get friends with people we haven't met before. You know, that whole football sort of Saturday um psychological thing really that everybody's missed and you know i've, I've desperately missed so yeah i'm, I'm hugely looking forward to it ollie and it's a nice place to leave the podcast really talking about the social side of it um uh, as well as the football because that's what we like to cover isn't it mate
1: yeah definitely i'm looking forward to watching the, the games properly you know you go to a game and you're like oh you know how good's this player you know how good's nurse and you just watch him for like 20 30 seconds when he, the ball's at the end of the pitch or something or you know you see the communication among the players you see who really who's really trying in the in the last 18 minutes and in the last 10 minutes of the game, you see that kind of side. So I'm really looking forward to seeing like watching football properly. I think also the intensity of the game should go up as well. So I think they are probably a bit more entertaining. Mm. But you guys have said, you know, you know, I don't know. Chris obviously was sat in a few rows, a, a few seats down from me. It's just that little bit of interaction that, hey mate, how you doing? And seeing those the guys that every game I make them stand up because they're always there for me. Just saying hello to people like that I haven't seen for 18 months. So yeah, <laughs> really looking forward to kind of being at the Graham and yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be nice to get back to a bit of normality. And away games as well soon. It yeah. sounds like we're going to be allowed to go to Morecambe. I'll definitely
0: be there second, second game away. So um, yeah, I, I'll travel sh- I'll sh- weekend away with the family at Morecambe and, and make it, make a weekend of it. And I'm sure lots of town fans will, because they've had those away, you know, days taken away from them for two years as well, despite the fact we saw a few home games. So there's so much to look forward to, you know, whether we get it right on or off the pitch, there's, there's still, So much to look forward to in terms of football, and um, yeah, it should be great to get back to it. So, I guess, I guess that's it, Ollie. Unless you've got any more questions, we can. No, I think we leave
1: it there. For me, I think my kind of overriding message is: I feel like we're in a good place. Obviously, we've got a good manager. You know, a real one-run club. I'd really hope we're not going to be in a relegation fight, and hopefully, we can just enjoy the season. Just really, just enjoy the games, enjoy some goals, enjoy the season. Hopefully, it's a good journey.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think I agree, and thank you, Mike, for joining us again. Actually, I'm making, I'm looking forward to the next time I'm on, and it's about a town game, and I'm not expected to know anything else about anything else other than the town So yeah, just that, just that game, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fine. And Chris, thanks for joining us again, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll bang on with your predictions, and um, we'll have you
1: you on again as the season goes on. Yeah, we we'll definitely. i bang own.
2: off with my prediction with Shrewsbury. I hope we do better than I said.
1: Um, but yeah, thanks guys for for joining. It's been good fun. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed listening, um, and yeah, me and Glenn will be back every week as we always are. Yeah, either getting really high about the wins and really low about the defeats. But so, yeah, we were here every week.
0: Yeah, the rollercoaster starts here. So, yeah, we'll catch you next Sunday.